to the Screaming Pods Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. Hello, what have we here? My God, it's full of stars. Xenopod, from the year 5000. Welcome to Xenopod from the year 5000. I am your host, Sean DeRager. Today we are talking about space truckers. And my guest is Zach Long, uh, who started up Scriptophobic.ca. So, Zach, welcome to... You really wanted to hurt me with this one today, didn't you? (laughs) Yes. Thank you for this? thank you for answering the call. <laughs> oh, I remembered liking this movie when I did. Yeah, it's, this it's, was. Ooh. It's different when you see a movie when you're younger uh, and have seen less, and then when you rewatch it when you're older, it's it's different. I have a good. Uh, for some reason, I'm able to put on kind of my my nostalgia glasses and kind of put myself back when I first saw it. But uh, but yeah, so today we'll be talking about Stuart Gordon's Space Truckers. I think this is his only science fiction film, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, he, he did Fortress, which oh, was about right. a post apocalypse right. Yeah, Fortress it was fantastic. <laughs> Same era, and with, so with Christopher Lambert. Yeah, and it had uh, Jeffrey Combs as yes. the hacker dude. Oh, okay, it's great. Okay. Yeah, so. All right, so he's done a couple of science fiction. So we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll jump we'll dive into space truckers here in just a little bit and kind of unpack this a little bit and so see if we can. Did he also do the Robo Wars one? Uh, oh, Robo Jock did um, Robot Wars. Okay, yeah. Okay, all right. Here we go. It's early. I'm I'm only halfway <laughs> through my cup of coffee, so things will kind of uh, start. My, my brain hopefully will be working once we start talking about. Space Truckers and Stuart Gordon and all that. See, but that's first, where I think mine might stop working. <laughs> well, well, we'll do our best. It's just gonna, it's just gonna be trying to fight off the sickness as it seeps in. <laughs> we'll do our best. Uh, all right. Well, Zach, I wanted to ask you first uh, a little bit. Well, first, we need to talk about scriptophobic, and uh, you know, I anything I kinda... you want to know. Uh, what um, what uh, what is scriptophobic? When did you start it? And because uh, I it's, this is this is more than just like a movie blog. This is uh, this is focused on script writing and, and storytelling. So uh, and and you guys even offer advice. So tell me a little bit about this. Well, I have always been a fan of the genres, whether it's horror, sci-fi. I'm sure we'll get into that today, and. I actually ended up leaving uh, university for creative writing when I butt heads with my professors over the worth of the horror genre. And I decided to combine my love of movies and watching them, making them, reading them, writing them, and combined what I had learned from my education but taken away that – that disrespect that I saw the genre get in. So scriptophobic is a place that is all about teaching and it's about 
teaching, screenwriting, and storytelling specifically through a genre lens and giving it the respect and uh, understanding the depth that the genres can reach that a lot of, obviously not you guys at Screamcast and Xenopod, but a lot of the mainstream media tends to, you know, just crap all over. Right, right, and and, and when and when we want to talk about a movie that's that's a horror movie, kind of getting a lot of attention, uh, uh, then there's the debate on is this this movie's not actually horror; it's actually elevated horror. <laughs> they try or, to put or it, it's a thriller. <laughs> thriller. They try to put it in some other uh, genre other than straight horror. Either the director does, or I don't know. It's a weird thing because we see this happening on Twitter all the time. When there's a, all the, whenever, oh, the, whenever that debate comes up, is this horror? The director says it's not horror. It's like who gives a shit what the director says? Who who anyone else says? Uh, the film's a horror movie, but uh, we can have that debate. I actually yeah. have an entire chapter about that in my How to Write Horror Screenplays book that's coming out oh, in nice. the near future. Very nice. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those stupid round and round uh, debates that always happens that I just I just start rolling my eyes at whenever it happens and I'll, I'll throw out some snarky comments online and that's pretty much where I'll leave it at because yeah I but, except but for is, deciding that I had to put the chapter in I just don't even touch it online yeah I don't have time who cares yeah yeah well it's it it is interesting because when when award seasons come around you know like we saw with Get Out they put it into the comedy section uh category was it comedy or drama i don't remember actually but i do remember that it was something upsetting like why (laughs) it made some it made no sense and yeah so in the in the main mainstream is always kind of a funny word these days but the yeah in the mainstream kind of hollywood uh community definitely horror has a weird place in there but even though like some of the best movies and awards were the movie movies have been horror films like rosemary's baby the exorcist i mean there's been a, enough film out there for horror to really have a place a steady place in the genre categories but it doesn't but uh but, but science fiction like does even though science fiction is kind of varied and but it's weird because you know they have no problem classifying science fiction, but horror, it, horror is always this weird kind of a rigmarole to try to classify what kind of a film it actually is. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the look at horror through the political lens is always associated it with the proletariat and with the idea of a dirtiness so Mm. that there is a bit of a classism within it as well Hmm. that's interesting well you guys have some great articles on scriptophobic i wanted to mention paul farrell's article on uh the violent birth of the chestburster and alien which is a fantastic his his written blood series is so (laughs) fantastic he's done the dog transformation in the thing and he's also done uh Tina's death at the start of A Nightmare on Elm Street, and nobody else knows this, but there's an upcoming one about everybody's favorite Bruce Campbell film. Oh, nice, perfect. Yeah, some 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 great stuff on there. Um, So you're so working on a book. Do you guys offer you guys offer services as well? Uh, Yeah. So 
we have so we have the blog which has a bunch of useful stuff we have written in blood which is a script to screen look at horror special effects we have scream writing that's uh my column which ties in with the book i'm writing and i also offer one-on-one uh writing classes with for people done through skype as well as i offer um script consultations and we also do two podcasts at the moment and those uh, we're trying to get a little bit more interaction in and that's also designed at helping people okay. as well is that so, with, uh, and that's with chris vander k yeah chris vander k does he does a solo podcast called screenification and he does he's my co-host on the script keeping okay. podcast Awesome. Very cool. So there's some stuff to check out. Go over to scriptophobic.ca and check some stuff out there. Um, so next question, Zach, before we jump into Space Truckers, what uh, was your kind of initiation into science fiction? Like at what age did you start kind of watching it, diving into it a little bit deeper and that sort of thing? Now, this was the question that I really came on the show to answer. <laughs> I got into sci-fi young. I remember being five or six, and my dad would read to me before bed, and he read me uh, Starship Troopers by uh, Heinlein. He read me the Tales of the Bounty Hunters short story collection of the uh, Star Wars universe. And he, he took me to go see... I saw the prequels, loved them because I was young enough. Um, and then the the point where it really kicked off and went from being something that I enjoyed because it was adventurous and fun and turned into something that I enjoyed because I started to see a level of depth in it came when I uh, I was shown Babylon 5, which... Okay. Amazing, amazing series. Shout out to Chris Vander Kay, who will never <laughs> stop talking about it. And that led me into, oh, uh, that ended up leading me into Firefly, which led me into seeing Serenity in the theater and the emotional impact of that movie. Like I've just, it's it's been sci-fi or horror since, yeah. and so, so I always loved it. Loved it a lot more when I was a kid because, damn, there's some flaws, but <laughs> there's such wonderful stuff out there right now. There's been some of the best sci-fi is being made nowadays, so it's a beautiful time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's what a time to be alive. I mean, like, we got. I mean, you have all the Marvel movies are in full force i would consider that that's like for my kids that's like a little you know get them into science fiction uh and then star wars in full force uh even though that's more like you know space opera space, space fantasy. fantasy um but it's all like all this little stuff and, that, and this is all this is what happened to me you know all these all these types of things got me more and more into the harder science fiction the more and then and then and then as it blended with horror it got into the crazy exploitations uh science fiction and crazy <laughs> b level science fiction all that kind of stuff there's a smorgasbord to kind of a that happens and snowballs as as i started getting into science fiction that's kind of starting to happen with my kids my daughter especially so it's kind of a fun ride for her she's always asking me like what movies you know 
Dad, what movies haven't I seen that you need you need to show me? <laughs> so it's uh, it's, it's been cool. So, um, but definitely, I mean, what's great about science fiction is uh, there really is no limit budget wise. Uh, anybody can try to jump in and do science fiction. It's just what's what is your focus going to be? And you know, films like Primer deal with. Uh, time Primer only costs like $7,000 right. to make. And it's a it's, yeah, it's very much say. a science fiction film because it's dealing with, you know, time travel and time paradox and all this kind of stuff. But it's, it's you know, a very low budget film. Uh, it's basically it, said in one room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you had kind of in the 80s and 90s, uh, the lower budget B level science fiction films where they were trying, you know... Uh, trying inspired by star wars and things like that to try to come together and and pull something together you got battle beyond the stars you got you know uh i was just like that. that was the one that popped in my head immediately <laughs> i mean they're trying but you know there's definitely inspiration there but they have a long ways to go they're not working with ilm <laughs> or anyone like that so uh so around that time um so let's let's dive into space truckers here and, uh, oh, all right, we'll, we'll let's do it. Do. Attention, all personnel. The room is sealed. Set your weapons for close range! In the year 2196. Just lost contact with Command Post 3 outside the second perimeter. It's right outside! Someone has developed the ultimate destructive force. All they need is a man who'll deliver. What have you got? It is a rush shipment to Earth. No questions asked. We'll do it. Jeez, I've never seen trailers like these before. They look, um... Creepy. You better power down, Canyon. It's coming! Look out! You gotta tell us how to stop these things. Dennis Hopper, Stephen Dorn, and Debbie Mazar. Fire it up! Space Truckers. Where, where do you even want to start? That's a good question. So, Space Truckers um, feel I mean, it feels like a late '80s science fiction movie. Um, it's from it's 1996. See, I thought it felt like. Uh, it felt Maybe its era 90s. for me. I could tell by the lack oh, okay. of cocaine that everyone was on. <laughs> Maybe, Dennis Hopper without cocaine makes right. for a hell of a boring performance. <laughs> Maybe it would have been a little bit better if it was uh, in 1986, maybe 10 years prior, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, that would be like, what, one year after Blue Velvet? Yeah. We would still have... Can you imagine if instead of playing a bored trucker, he was actually playing Daddy from Blue Velvet? That would be... This movie I, would have blown me away then. Yeah. What's what's funny about this film is in there's an interview on the Blu-ray that I got. I'm not sure if it was on the DVD or anything else, but... They actually get Stuart Gordon kind of telling about how the, his ideas for the film, and he'd kind of was inspired by like Star Wars and things like that. But he was always like, well, you know, all these films always follow some sort of um, 
warrior or somebody who's, you know, somebody who turns out to be a warrior and everything like that. He was like, what if we just followed kind of the boring truckers, you know, that are hauling stuff, you know, while all this stuff is going on around them. And that was kind of definitely a great idea when it was done on Alien. Exactly. It's funny because in the interview, I don't think he mentioned Alien, but that's exactly it's exactly what Alien is. Alien is space truckers taken seriously uh, because that's that's all they are. They're they're these grunt workers, you know, out in the middle of space. So, uh, so I was like, okay. And what's what's funny is I, I feel like like Stuart Gordon. I'm wondering. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to pull up his. Uh, trying to get his timeline of his science oh, fiction. I've work. got him. I've got him in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I so am such this, a Stuart Gordon fan. It's unfair. We we said we said Robot Wars. He did Robot Jocks. Robot Wars is kind of like unofficial yep. sequel to uh, Robot War. Or Robot Wars is a kind of a sequel-ish Charles Band sequel to Robot Jocks. But yeah, he did Robot Jocks and he did Fortress. So this is his kind of third venture into science fiction. Arguably, he's already crossed into it as well in uh, 86 with uh, From Beyond Okay, as well, touching those elements. He's always been inspired by that and he's always been a provocateur. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started out in theater doing the type of theater that gets the cops called on you before he moved into film. He's always been kind of trying to do weird things, yeah. but after after the mid-80s where he had, um, I think it's from 85 with Reanimator until 87 with Dolls, he had a good run with Brian Usna, and after that he ran into trouble getting funding until he teams back up with Usna in 2000s or so. So in the 90s we see him really struggling to get the films that he was trying to get made made mm-hmm. and i think this is reflective of that in the budget on this is clearly so low that for a good 30 minutes of the films you are film uh for 30 minutes of the film you just have your main characters tied up doing nothing <laughs> yeah yeah i thought about that because uh it, i mean it the idea is great. The world that he presents is great. This is uh, uh, so. It, this starts up with uh, I'm I'm trying to think of like the the politics involved and who the bad guys are or whatever. But basically, they create. I, re- uh, I, I, I remembered this for some fucking reason. <laughs> this guy creates Sorry. these like killer robots. Uh, yeah, to take over the he wants to. He is in a conflict with Earth, and he decides that. Uh, he gets the his secret scientist Charles uh, dance. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Is that who it, yeah. They get him to make the killer robots in order to send them to Earth in order to win the struggle there. Mm-hmm. But none of that matters except for that first scene and the very last scene. It it, it was so unnecessary to even tr- say what the robots were. They could have just had it happen and would have been right. just as good. Right. Yeah, they're these yeah, they're these these crazy cyborgs. Now, the design is actually really cool and they said that when they were making these designs, they basically hired models, performance models or, you know, uh women to go in there and perform and be be the robots. It was actually a really cool idea cuz they have this kind of gracefulness to them. 
in a way like they, the, yeah, the idea they were of so, these cyborgs are really cool they reminded me of um oh, they reminded me of like the that yoda fight scene from the part two uh <laughs> attack of the clones there except instead of jumping around and just being that graceful they're not quite as acrobatic yeah but they still kind of had that flourish and yeah. it was absolutely the part of the movie that i remembered best was there were killer robots and square pigs <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the fact pigs. that nothing happens though for so long right because then so then uh so we're introduced to this big world, introduced this like intergalactic possible war that's that's brewing. These killer robots, and then we meet Dennis Hopper, who's haul he's hauling these square pigs, uh, and he's just this this washed up trucker, and uh, he gets in in some argument, I guess, with the trucking company, and he's oh, okay, not gonna so- get paid. And uh, well, he's late when he shows up. Right, right, right. He's not the best trucker. He's, you know, no. Did you get a feeling a little bit of Kurt Russell from Big Trouble in Little China (laughs) from the opening? Yeah, yeah. He just needed to be a little more magnetic, though. Yeah. Oh, he's Dennis Hopper is not bringing it in. I could not be on set with him. I would be just pulling my hair out he yeah. is given nothing if they brought kurt russell in as that character from big trouble little china oh that would be role, so cool can you imagine <laughs> literally like he keep his same name but nobody references the previous movie you right. just you just <laughs> right. let it kind of slide and see if anybody notices and people will be like did you know that the big trouble in little china sequel was in space <laughs> It'd be a, it'd be just as crazy as Leprechaun Four. Yeah, but it it it's funny. It's I mean, Stuart Gordon wanted this reserved performance from Dennis Hopper because he had said that he was you know he had seen Dennis Hopper in all these crazy roles and he was like, well, what if I cast him as like a good guy? But it's like it's almost like he dials things down so low that he, his charisma is completely gone. And, well, in uh, real life, Dennis Hopper was a villain. He was so <laughs> terrible in yeah. real life that he, I mean, I don't want to throw salt on anybody's <laughs> grave here, but he kind of had to play the villain because it was just natural to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once once he gets back to the area like he, sh- he comes in late with the pigs and it was probably like we, one of the we, other greatest effects on the film <laughs> those square pigs. oh those pigs were fantastic and i actually got into a huge discussion after the movie with i used to do a podcast with a friend of mine where we talked about films and we um i had the film history approach and she came from the sciences so we talked oh, for a wow. good two hours about the practicality of square pigs versus <laughs> any other form of shipping or growing your own meat. Right. They they, they mention it's it's done out of practicality, right? Do they me- do they even mention that, or is it just? I can't remember if they mentioned that the why they said it was. They say it was practicality for being square. However, it makes no practical (laughs) sense to do that when your best method of feeding a colony would actually be to cultivate a fungus with protein. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So there's your science lesson for this episode. Right. I mean, I mean, these days, I mean, you can. Yeah, growing a protein is a lot more. 
Uh, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, to slaughter anything. You don't really have to transport anything live. You don't have to deal with uh, waste. That Especially makes sense when you're going over such long distances as this. Right. Uh, square pigs makes no sense, but it does give us the wonderful effect and the wonderful fight scene that takes place in the square pigs area. Mm-hmm. That is, that was one of the moments I remembered was the, here's how you throw a punch in zero G. <laughs> Which even even when he's even when he's in the fight scene, he still got such a reserved like he he sounds so bored to be there. Yeah, it's yeah. like um, have you ever seen the movie Virus from the nineties? Of course. It, well, you have oh, damn it! I just blanked on his name. Uh, Sutherland, uh, Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland is so bored and like hates being there in that movie <laughs> that there's a scene where he purposely looks at the camera and just like puts on a shit eating grin just to go like you can tell that he's looking at it and going I'm ruining this take but it's in the movie. <laughs> That's what this whole performance felt like as it kept going on. There was moments where I was went this has to be a parody right? Like there's no way that this is actually happening and then it does. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the the tone of the film is definitely is not serious. It definitely has. It's not, but it's not a comedy either. It's not taking itself too seriously. It it knows it's ridiculous, and that's is where I wish Dennis Hopper would ham it up just a little bit more, um, because there's this weird like it introduces this weird uh, love triangle. Uh, that was so him, awkward because uh, <laughs> how old was he in this film because it doesn't make any sense oh man okay it's, so it's he died him. in like at like 71 so he's about uh-huh. six he's probably late 50s at the moment okay. in and, this and he's he's saying he's gonna marry is it is it debbie mazar uh, yeah yeah but it's not that he's gonna it's not just Empire that he's Records. gonna marry her it's that like he gets her to agree to some deal of like, oh, you know, like if we'll, <laughs> it's the type of thing where you're like, oh, if we make it to forty, we'll get married, or like if I <laughs> bring you, the you did in like high school or or at summer camp. Yeah, except it's a fifty <laughs> year old man doing this to a, a woman half his age, and it's it's wrong. Yeah, it is so wrong. So it's if, almost as wrong as the fashion that's happening in this movie. Yeah, the fashion's all over the place. So it enters Stephen Dorff here, and they meet in this kind of oh, I'd uh, rather we did. cafe, <laughs> and he's kind of this hotshot young trucker. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. It's not a cafe. You have to. It is diner? a 50s diner. 50s diner. Like, it is a space diner that looks like it's from the 1950s now, with all the neon clothing and yep. hot pink of the 90s. It is beyond. You, if there's anything that you that people listen and have to see, it's that diner scene because it is so it's sensory overload. It looked like the film fell into a vat of the '90s and drowned and sank to the bottom. Well, I mean, was this done before? Uh, before when? When is Dex's diner introduced in Star Wars? Is that clo- is is that in? Uh, that's an Attack of the Clones, right? So. This would be definitely be before because it was before. Holy uh, shit! George Menace. Lucas was inspired by space truckers. Everybody, because <laughs> Attack of the Clones actually, has that awful fifties diner. 
You can actually then say George Lucas was inspired by space truckers, which had been inspired by Alien Resurrection, <laughs> and just start tracing it all the way back. You could. You could. It's going to be, you know, you know, at some point it's going to hit the first Star Wars again because Alien was what, 79, Star yeah. Wars 1, 77. So it just becomes an infinite loop. <laughs> I think we maybe just found the fountain of youth. Uh, I think so. I think so. So, so Debbie Ma- Mazar, Mazar, uh, she, you, you recognize her from, uh, I don't know, Empire Records, um, She's one of those oh, actresses. Oh, you're that, right. She was. She was in. Oh man, she was the uh, executive yeah. lady from. Oh wow, yeah. I did not recognize she's that. She's one of those actresses moment. who's done a lot of television, and she looks. You know, you know her when you see her, but it's like you can't like I can never remember what she's been in. You know, so I'm like looking and through. I can't think of her lead in something like this either. I, yeah, I mean, she's her. She's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, it says here she's been in The Doors as a as, as a whiskey girl. I mean, she's been working a long time. Malcolm X. Uh, she was in So I Married an Axe Murderer. And um, but I'm wondering if this is kind of her largest role. That uh, had been her largest role at the time. So, yeah, she gets kind of wrapped up in in the plot here in the story where they basically uh he's owed money by the he's in this feud with the trucking company but he takes uh he takes a gig to transport what he thinks are sex dolls uh, well to Earth. before he takes that gig though just he they try to steal his rig and he ends That's up right starting a fight in that diner that blows out one of the windows <laughs> and instead of having everything literally just sucked into the vacuum of space like it should be Instead, you have the one overweight actor actor that they brought in for this gag go <laughs> oh, flying yeah. out and get his ass ass first sucked out of the window in the most horrific homage to uh, Alien Resurrection ever. <laughs> but this was this pre Alien Resurrection. Uh, I I I oh it was might it actually after? be it might be one year before actually. So see, look at this, look at this. Oh wow. So Alien Resurrections took from space. Dr- oh, man, we are looking yeah. at the keystone of modern sci-fi. <laughs> what an awful gag, though. I mean, I mean, even just like thinking about that, like, and it's 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 oh, man, I, I couldn't even imagine. The thing that bothers me about that gag, actually, is that it's predicated on the fact that, oh, it's going to be the large man because that's what makes it funny. And I just hate the yeah. feeling of like what was going through that man's head is he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got hired to have my ass sucked out a window because I'm fat. Like that <laughs> as a fat man, that is fucking horrifying. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Maybe maybe he was just happy to get paid. But uh... either that or maybe he was like, ah, hell. And that get me. How can I get out of this scene quickly? This neon is starting to make me go blind. <laughs> so, so that kind of gets the plot going. And and this is a movie that kind of, as you're introduced to new characters, uh, gets a little more batshit. Um, there is kind of a forced romance between Stephen Dorff's character. I'm, I always use the actor's characters for some reason. And that, that's David that's fine. I don't remember who um, they were in I, the movie. I can't remember the names. But they have like they're they're stuck. I was just going to come here and call him Blade the whole time. <laughs> they're they're stuck and well, their ship breaks down and uh, uh, Dennis Hopper. No, no, no. Wait, their ship it. does not break down. 
You are you are misleading I, these people. Am I, they I, are they decide they're gonna take a shortcut strokes. and suddenly Black Eye Black Rock <laughs> yeah. It is the worst scene you've ever seen. <laughs> oh man. But I'll I'll let you paint no, broad strokes. Sorry, I'm broad strokes. They basically have to fix the ship or do something and so Steven Dorf and Debbie Mazer and then there's no air conditioning, no airflow. There's, they're yeah, they're, they're running out of air uh, and the heat is going up. Yeah, so they have to strip they have, down. They have to strip down. And what happens when two beautiful people strip down is, you know, obviously they uh, they they have to have some zero gravity banging. But this is all PG thirteen, right? This is uh, they can't. They, the, this, is it actually? I think I have, I want to say it's PG thirteen. It, it feels weird though with the forced rape of. The mm. one girl, and then the all the uh, severed arms and legs yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, but it was all I kept tame. I'm I'm trying to find the the rating here. Maybe it was um. See, it should no, be yeah, rated, rated PG-13 for sci-fi action, violence, sensuality, wow. and drug content. It and should be NC-17 just for Charles Dance's robot ass alone. Yes, we need... I'm trying to move us along into Charles Dance here. Because, okay, well, here, I'll, I can get you yes. there super quick. They, they hit some black <laughs> rock, which represents black ice. They're stuck. They try to, uh, like, on... The, the, to take off the rig so that they can do some stuff. It's Star Wars, Star Trek-y sort of fix it. But what they learn is that the rig is heavily armed Suddenly, pirates appear, and the whole movie slows right down, and the rest of it takes place in this one location, yes. basically. Yeah. Enter Cyborg uh, Charles Dance. Who, he was <laughs> the guy that made the robots in the first place. Right, right. So, and that opening scene, he gets absolutely eviscerated. I mean, it's off camera, but he's mm. absolutely eviscerated. But we're supposed to get, he's like, I rebuilt myself. He shouldn't have killed me in my own lab. <laughs> But he's like, he's like two eighths of a human. The rest right. of him is robot. How much rebuilding can you do with one arm while half of you is gone? I don't know. He 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 did a lot because he he even had the time to uh, to basically oh God, no. create a robotic penis no. of some sort. <laughs> Not, it wasn't just believe. a. It was like a spinner or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It there was, was a, there was a uh, show called um the show was called Trip in the Riff. It was a sci-fi comedy like like a sex comedy type Family Guy thing. And one of the big plots was there was a robot who like always wanted to have a bigger dick, and it was <laughs> this whole running plot. And it must have took it from this. Yeah, because because he's obviously was was overcompensating when he rebuilt himself, and basically he, um uh. Debbie's Debbie's character agrees to, I guess agrees to uh have sex with him if as long as he'll let the other two live or well, that they can just he he well he would take the cargo and just get the hell out of there leave us alone yeah I'll have sex with you and sleep with her yeah yeah and then because at this point they have uh Dennis Hopper and Blade both tied up for <laughs> the next 30 minutes they have their hands over their head one of them's half naked and Stuff just happens around them. Why Debbie goes off to prostitute herself to save their life, <laughs> right? And this leads to I think like this is the most awkward uh, scene of the film. Uh, you don't say because <laughs> you have this 
disgusting guy that's going to take off his clothes and basically, you know, have sex with our, our character or, you know, this okay, he's not that here. bad until he takes them off. Well, let's yeah. Charles dance. He's <laughs> like a handsome enough man. He's just got a little bit of robot shit on his face. Right, right. But then we realize like, oh, oh, man, all no. the bits, all the bits are robotic. And he has a little bit of uh, of some issues, you know, that Viagra can't fix. So he has to like go to his tool shelf and try to like repair his basically broken robot penis. And it's it's, it's such a it's such a drawn out scene. <laughs> it's also awkward, but it's like, but it's Stuart Gordon, so it's like it's almost like, well, I guess, but why why make this PG thirteen? Especially if this was something that looks like it was kind of self-financed in a way, like independent, like he kind of had creative control. Like what kind of a movie was he trying to create here? You were re- you were uh, watching some of the special features and whatnot. Did he talk about the financing of it at all? Um, it was, it, it was definitely um, out of the studio system, I believe. It's- that is, it's so weird because the fortress coming just before it was, really good and i'm pretty sure that was r because i mean they're blowing holes through people's stomach and everything's happening in that one and then you move into this one and it feels like i I mean like i was mentioning earlier he literally got like he would do the type of shows that would get the police called on him he was he was known for this that's why in reanimator you have the cunnilingus with the severed head (laughs) yeah like that's what he's known for. And this feels like he's starting to do he, what he's known for and then just right. brings it back for whatever, like, like somebody along the way, like it might not have been a studio, but one of the financers or something had to yeah. say like, Oh, you need to like go wide or something. Yeah. It, it feels, so it feels like they bizarre. were trying, they're trying to make, they were trying to get, yeah, have this thing, make some money, I guess, and have it be a little more for sure, more broad, but it just it didn't, did it, it? it? It did not. This, did not uh this bombed did not make enough money um but that's the thing like with Stuart Gordon what do you expect from him I feel like if he if he would have gone all the way and just gone you know some people say like ratings don't matter I think on films like this it definitely does because depending on the who's writing the story and everything and 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 what they bring to the story sometimes you have to for certain gags to work you have to go all the way you just have to you really do and for a film like this it's it skirts the line of r-rated so much that it's like but they but they just try so hard not to cross that line it's obvious and it would have been maybe even more well well received maybe not in the, the- maybe not theatrically but definitely would have had more legs, I think, uh, in the video market because more, you know, teenagers would rent this and know what they're getting into and things like that. But yeah, he, he definitely plays it safe. And, you know, the film kind of um, <clears throat> kind of starts dragging at this point. And then, but then we get, we end up, you know, with the pretty cool, like the cyborgs reanimate and yet, you know, and you have a, you know, a, the a cyborg fun, scene and when they're trying the to break into the cyborg thing yeah. is pretty sweet. Yeah. Totally. Um, while you were talking, I looked up uh, Stuart Gordon's other credits after this. And he does actually, you see a, you see a break. He does a couple very small projects, but he doesn't do another real film project until 2001 mm. when he teamed back up with Brian Usna for their Spain project. So this actually did impact his career negatively for the end of the nineties. Yeah. Which yeah. 
that is kind of it's there's moments in this film which are brilliant because when they first try to break in and the gun just comes up in everybody there's there's an endless supply of space pirates on this ship yes <laughs> it never runs out and these this thing has an automated cannon and like something like 20 to 30 of the space pirates get killed just shooting at it endlessly until one of them finally just goes ah screw it rocket launcher <laughs> but it is it is just it is very much slapstick like they just keep coming and dying it's almost like if you had that scene at the end of rambo the 2000 whatever one where he's on the minigun except that you just censored it down a little bit it's basically that yeah and then it's the, then you get the killer robot, which was the one scene that did live up to my expectations. Even in the beginning is fantastic because they get into those crates finally and we see the robots and we saw one of them kill at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we know they're deadly and there's a whole ton of them hanging up and we're like, oh shit, like this is bad. And one of the pirates goes, hey, one of them's missing. And there's that that little voice in the back of my head that just went ding it's time for joy <laughs> it the, these back to these robots i mean they are cool especially the way he has them kind of because they're all hanging you know and he, how he has them reanimate like it's 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 a it's such a cool idea and i'm wondering you know if you had had a little more. See, I don't know. I don't know what was holding it back. Well, uh, what part is the cool idea? Do you mean well, like the fact of, like, that it was fill like, themselves? Don't they kind yeah. of like like their heads and the, everything comes kind of comes they, out they from look, inside? They, the, they look like you walked the into cavern. the the cavern from the Lost Boys at first. Yeah, like they're all they're all just ready there to come swoop down on you. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is, I thought I thought that that was great, but the fact that they decided like, oh, they activate in waves made no sense. <laughs> That right. was absolutely bonkers. It was like, oh, okay, we have one of them. How do we increase like how do we increase the tension? What if we had two of them? Yeah. Okay. Except that one of them could take out, you know, all of our space pirates, but four, five, six of them can't seem to take out our space truckers. <laughs> Well, you know, you gotta make you gotta make these these choices in the script writing process, I believe, uh, to keep the tension up. I, I believe. Um, I, I believe that you do, which is why they should have came to me. <laughs> even even in the '90s, I could have done better than that. <laughs> so oh, that's unfair. So it's funny because I knew that Barbara Crampton was in this film, and she doesn't show up until the end of the I film. She's at the end. She's Cindy's mother. Is she the mother? Yes. Oh my god! I didn't realize that was part. I... Okay, yes. she really is just in the very end. Like, very end. Oh yeah, that's your mother. Oh yeah, she was cryogenically frozen so that you can have this moment to get a partner. Right. It's such man. I have some issues with that uh, at a uh, kind of core level. Uh, oh you can, hey, you can dig into oh, it. By, by the way, um, my mother, who's your age. Uh, is still my age because she's been cryogenically frozen. So here's another hot young woman for you to 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 oogle over. Well, if I can't hit your spawn, I might as well hit you. <laughs> yeah. But um, I I contacted so uh, I contacted Barbara Crampton and I was like I was like I need to have her on the show to talk about the scene and she politely declined. Aww. But uh, she she wrote she's to me. She's a sweetheart though. She goes. Uh, she goes, I don't love the movie so much. Not sure it really works. And my part is so small. 
I'd have to watch it again and not sure I want to. <laughs> you know what? Fair on her. I'm yeah, on no. her side. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you know, she was very, uh, very polite uh, and and uh, declining there. But I, I get it, you know. But can we talk about that end a little bit, though? Yeah, yeah. Because Spo- spoilers for we, Space Truckers, everybody. Oh, um, oh I yeah. I don't, I, this I, isn't I am a film so, that so sorry about this. It breaks my heart to <laughs> spoil this for you. But our hero, Mr. No Cocaine, decides uh-huh. that he wants to sacrifice himself to save the day. Right. He is going to bring his truck into the atmosphere of Earth in order to burn it up and burn up all of these things. Because. You know, these trucks weren't made to actually enter the atmosphere. They are space truckers. They're not really planet side ever. Right. It's not the Star Wars where you can travel between the two. And so he he sends the other two out. Uh, They, like, go into an escape pod, come back, save him from one, and then go off to Earth. And he's like, I'll be right there. And he brings the thing down, and they're on Earth, and they're watching him. He's a fireball, and they're like, he's going to make it, he's going to make it, he's going to, it blows up. Everybody's sad, and then suddenly, out of just behind the beautiful blue cloud, uh, blue cloud, white cloud in the blue sky, you see Dennis Hopper come floating in. He's like, hey, miss me, or whatever he says. And I screamed at my TV (laughs) because that was, I did not remember that happening, and that is such, uh, that is like when you watched one of the old serials from the 30s. See him go off the edge of the cliff in the car, but the next episode he jumps out. You're like, "Fuck off!" No, <laughs> this is not. This is cheating, sir. Well, the whole the whole ending definitely jumps into. Let's wrap up this TV episode quickly. Uh, we got to get rid of the bad guy quickly. We got to get you know oh, because you, you talk about that part because oh my god, yeah. that is some lame <laughs> lame ending there. It, it's not so so yeah. So we meet Cindy's mother, Barbara Crampton, and it's almost like oh everything's happily ever after. But uh, meanwhile, uh, this this guy sags. He's the yeah. He's now the president of Earth. He was the guy who originally in the first scene right. wanted to kill Earth. Right, so they've botched his cyborg invasion plan, and he offers well, them like except a, that except the fact that he actually in between the invasion plan he had managed to win peacefully, so he is in charge <laughs> like, now. Right, so he almost sent he almost sent robots to murder his own people. Yes, yes. So he should be thanking them, which he is, should it, be, and well, he does with a giant, a giant suitcase full of money or yeah. a briefcase full of money, or is it? Dun dun dun. Yeah, that because <laughs> so yeah, I love so you, I love that you get the the inner cut as he's like he's finally he's sitting back in his car downstairs and they're arguing like you can't just take the money man we can't walk away from this and so what do they do with the whole suitcase or briefcase full of money the only thing you can do is chuck it out the window throw it out the window <laughs> <laughs> and conveniently lands on the roof of this limousine uh the president's limousine and it turns out At to be the a bomb moment he presses the button exactly and uh so i don't know it's 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 you know it's, this is one of those films that i can't take too seriously uh that there is there is a lot to kind of have fun with if you're in the right frame of mind. If this is a, a curiosity of yours, um, there's going to be some fun to be had. But make sure I, you. I think that end scene's pretty fun, actually, because yeah, they all look down at him like it was in, um, <laughs> like it was the end of a rush hour film. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. It, the ending is so. It's like I said, it's such like. Uh, 
in the in the 80s more often they had these guys types of tv endings you know where ha 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 hey, you know, high five and, and we're good to go um, well you know this if we go back to what we said earlier this would actually have been a great ending if this was a sequel to little trouble and little big or big trouble in little china yeah. this would have been a fantastic ending because that one it all it also ends with him just going on for another adventure this is solved it's like <laughs> right. the end of kung fu exactly exactly yeah so it's i don't know um i have mixed feelings about space truckers did you completely hate it or what were what were your thoughts overall thoughts on on space truckers on this revisit and well, you, and did you watch it on vhs too uh, I or, or did I you... what I did get the VHS, but then I ended up just watching it on my computer because oh, okay. <laughs> I got lazy. I ask you, how's that VHS look? <laughs> I I probably would have enjoyed it more on the VHS just because I love hearing the sound of it playing. <laughs> but my my overall thoughts is that the film actually made me a little sad in that I remembered loving it a lot uh-huh. and. I was disappointed that the performances were really not there. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I was disappointed that, A, Stuart Gordon is quite restrained here. Mm-hmm. And you you can tell that this hurt him in that, like, it wasn't until 2001 that he released something else that felt like Stuart Gordon. And right. there are there are moments in the story which are fantastic like the square pigs are great the design of the robots great it reminds me a little bit of the brad Dorf film death machine mm. and um and th- th- there are a couple there are co- a couple special effects that are great like charles dance looks so disgusting when he on robes <laughs> that it's wonderful it feels like for a second it feels like there's a glimpse of of like a Pasolini film, like you're watching Salo or something for just a moment. But then the problems of the film, which you can see in the makeup or not the makeup, sorry, the, uh, the wardrobe and you can see in nobody seems to really be bringing it. And the fact that for a good chunk of the film, your heroes are tied up doing nothing. And then when they get free, they suddenly have like the special power needed to beat the bad guys when all the people who live their life violent can't it the absurdity of the story just kind of broke my brain it, <laughs> and I, I like absurd stories too so it's not a f- the fact that it's absurd but it's the fact that it's so sporadically absurd and the tone doesn't ever seem to properly mesh together to make it a cohesive whole yeah yeah, I'm, I feel like if the performances weren't, they they do feel a little uh, like they're sleepwalking at times. And if they would have, we're not talking about Charles Dance here, though. We're talking about the uh, oh, Charles great. Dance is actually he's bringing great. it. Like See, Charles it, Dance it, was the most underrepresented actor of the '90s <laughs> until Game of Thrones. We were giving right. him crap like this. That's not fair. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, he's bringing his A game, and and that's the thing. Our three leads, you know, and I aren't aren't bringing that gusto to the role. And if they would have just it, gone it for really it, and, and 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 realized what kind of film they're in, yeah, this could have been you know amped up a little more. But yeah, I mean, I for this one, 
it the rewatch was a little tougher than when I first saw it. When I first saw it, I just had such a blast with it with it and and, Same, and loved absolutely. it just because i hadn't it was just i knew it was goofy like i knew going in it was goofy and i'm a, i'm i'm pretty easy going with goofy bad movies um but uh but i mean this is only well, about never 90. Gets so bad it's good like, right yeah yeah i mean but this is it's pretty short but it's almost like they can maybe even even lose 10 minutes of this and maybe it'd be right little, there in the middle later. where they're tied up. Yeah, because that like, kind of drags. There's no, there's no reason to keep that drag in. Yeah. But yeah. there is actually one other thing I want to say, which is that throughout the film. Um, oh, what, what was the lead woman's name again? Uh, Debbie? Yeah. Um, Debbie is Cindy. It, it, Cindy, okay. But it's Debbie Mazar, is yeah. that it? Okay, uh, I'm terrible with names, but she, throughout the thing, like when she first gets on the ship in zero gravity, it's like, oh, my bra and my panties are going, and like she's just <laughs> completely, she's completely sexualized, but also tr- almost infant, in, uh, like treated like like turned into a child, infantized or whatever. I can't, uh, I can't word apparently. Infantized. Infantized. Thank you. Is that a Thank word? you. Like, yeah, that's the one. I'll like say she this. is, because she, she's always kind of like the. They always treat her as if not just are they patriarchally in charge, but they also kind of treat her as if she can't make her own decisions yeah. because she's younger than them. And it's this very <laughs> it, it, it it especially with the fact that it sets up a lead between the older gentleman and mm-hmm. her like it it touches a Lolito realm, which is altogether uncomfortable and unnecessary. Yeah, no, definitely. There's some politics in this that are uh uh they're definitely off you know yeah they're not, they didn't end up on the right side of history no yeah definitely this is not uh there's 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 no uh there's no real positive feminism going on in here in in this film this is definitely <laughs> a feminism at all no this is definitely a a, a boys club film um unfortunately right the the women characters in this film aren't treated very well because she could be you know she could she, be but like her mother she's just property at the exactly end. and that's i think that's the and you know yeah i mean that i think that's what this time around maybe that's it maybe this time around watching it especially with everything that's been, that's been going on politically this then maybe that's the thing in my, the back of my mind is especially how they treat cindy's mother and barbara crampton is just she's just a prop oh look this hot young blonde uh who is is my age but you know she's like super hot and maybe i can bang her <laughs> you know what i mean it's just yeah, like yeah th- that's that's definitely there are some some issues there um <clears throat> but i feel like that's not surprising if you've seen any of stuart gordon's previous films cuz i don't know if he um you know, I I feel like that's kind of how most of his women have been treated. He did. He tends to at least let them let them control, except for maybe uh, Reanimator. He yeah. tends to let them control their own sexuality for right. one, which this feels like that has been taken. But even in Reanimator, and specifically his next couple, they dev they have their own um their own oh sense of agency which okay. does not feel like it's in this one debbie yeah. does get to go like oh i will sleep with him and she makes that decision but she makes it for them 
not yeah. for her really. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely did not come out on the right side of history. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And then, and maybe that's, that, that might be part of it too. It, that's, you know, and, and that's kind of what happens when you kind of go back and watch certain films, whereas the today's politics don't mash up with the politics of the time, or maybe they were. Yeah, even you should have saw what happened when them. I watched Straw Dogs. Oh Ooh. my God! I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's a film that I've like, I don't think I can ever go back and rewatch that film. You know, it's it's very interesting how that happens. But so you know, with that said. Um, Space Truckers is out on Blu-ray in the UK and this is Second Sight Films put this out that does have some great interviews on here um, with Stuart Gordon with their, the composer and with the art director and so it was fun oh, to kind the of art director I would like to listen yeah, to so it was fun to kind of dive in a little bit with with the film you know it's uh yeah it's I tried to look at this with nostalgic eyes a little bit but i did have some issues with it but it was a fun it's still a fun revisit and if you've never if you've never seen this and you're curious i would definitely say give it a shot see if you like it um i would say that it is a curiosity in that it like it never hits so bad that it's good Mm -hmm. but the entire way through it you're kind of like wait why that's the decision you're going with (laughs) and you're always kind of baffled that they seem to miss the mark of what the story should be yeah yeah it definitely has moments of some uh, some goofy sci-fi genius it ha- it has its its moments that are that in maybe in a different film or maybe even in if they had a little more money and they can do another pass on the script or maybe they can even do some of the set pieces they wanted to do you know, I know that a lot of decisions happen on this film because of the budget. So, but I mean, with a small budget, they they did all they could. You know, they really did all they can do. I, I don't think you know Stuart Gordon was ever going to be a any a prolific science fiction director. I don't. I think his wheelhouse for me always landed more in the kind of uh, horror genre. Um, with he is the like master of Lovecraft adaptations. Yes, yes. So, it, you know, I don't know if he was ever going to create like a, a really good science fiction film. but, uh, but Except seeing, for Fortress. Except for Fortress. Robot Jocks is pretty cool, too. But even that, like even the future Robot is still Jocks kinda... is good, but it needs one more fight in the middle. Yes. It's got yes. a great fight at the beginning and the end, but the middle just drags. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to be planning a... Uh, we're going to cover the tr- these, those, those kind of trilogy of films, Crash and Burn, uh, Robot Jocks, and Robot Wars, eventually on the Xenopod. That is that is going to happen. So I need to kind of uh, gather a ragtag team uh, for that discussion. But um, but definitely, like, his idea of the future, his the, the design, is never, like, that amazing. You know what I mean? It's always a bit bright and a bit fake-looking. Um, Not only that, but also it doesn't actually do all that much future playing instead it's yeah. parody in the highway system and <laughs> yeah yeah so like the the threat isn't that isn't some actual sci-fi thing that would be a threat the threat is black rock which just was meant to be black ice black like ice, yes. when when they need to when when he tries to escape the station and they they're going out through the trucking lanes which have a whole ton of billboards mm-hmm. in space <laughs> Uh, he hits one of the billboards to make it like fly back and hit the cops after him, which I don't know 
Um, I'm not the scientist, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> gravity doesn't work in space. Yeah, there's a lot of science science problems. If you're looking at this from a science lens, uh, definitely there are <laughs> a lot of egregious uh, mistakes, or they didn't really think about it. They they were just kind of using. Well, I don't I don't think that you know, Star I don't think Wars so science. much is that it was. A, yeah, I think that it was more. <laughs> they had the idea of like, okay, it wasn't the space truckers in the way that aliens had thought about it. It yeah. was literally okay. We have truckers. Ignore the space part. How can we just make a, a few of these into like jokes? And I, I think that's where the black rock comes from. Yeah, which I'm still that scene. The fact that that's what stops them is so upsetting to me still. <laughs> they were going to have space pirates come in anyway. Why didn't they have the space exactly. pirates? Exactly. Just keep the space them. pirate aspect of it. Cause that's great. The space pirate part of it is great. Um, so like I said, like there's, man, there's, it's, yeah, it's a hit or miss. And depending on how frustrated you get with, with uh, picking movies apart and everything, you know, there's definitely some things that could, would probably, probably keep you awake after the film. as <laughs> You're thinking about it. But as a curiosity, I me, just a, have your little brain goblins <laughs> pulling apart your wires going, don't don't form memories. Don't yes, form memories. Yes. As a curiosity, I definitely would say uh, take a look at it. The Blu-ray looks really good. Um, and I, this is one of those films. Yeah, I, I probably had more of a, a, nostal- a nostalgic uh, memory of it. Didn't hold up to that nostalgic memory, unfortunately. But uh, but this is this. I was gonna say like this would be a fun one to watch with my kids. Then I'm like, oh yeah, Ray robot penis and robot butt. Yeah, uh, robot, Ray. Uh, uh, maybe yeah, not. maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, just, it's just almost show like, them, just show them the, the square pig scene. You know, tell them it's a short film, right? You know, what's frustrating with all that too is is um that that kind of thing in like a PG-13 film. Uh, do you remember that uh, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood film? Yes, and there's like a huge like rape type scene in that film as well and i and i was like i'm thinking about it, i'm like i can't believe i watched that my parents let me watch that when i was when i was that young oh man because there is yeah. uh because i because i, 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 I thought about that, that. like i thought about that like oh man yeah let's let's, let's get family together and watch uh this robin hood prince of thieves thieves and i'm like oh wait never mind um there's like basically a rape scene in it so i was like never mind we'll Fast forward. <laughs> yeah. So and that's the weird thing about space truckers is these kind of it definitely. Well, it it's a PG thirteen movie in what should have been an R. Either so, like, either they made it either they go R or they just stick with like a PG. You know what I mean? It it, it does this weird weird kind of uh, trying to please both and uh, doesn't quite work. So well, uh, I think uh, I think that's space truckers, Zach. I think. We've successfully like picked apart space truckers for our listeners' pleasure. Another long haul successfully <laughs> handled. Uh, yep, check it well, out. I have to uh, say, it's been it an honor to be here. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. This is a, this is a fun little side project that I do in, in once a month to try to get somebody on here to talk about some science fiction movies. You know, eventually I would like to do more of these, uh, more, you know, more than once a month. We'll see how it goes. It's, it's going to happen. I just got to, uh, you know, I have a lot going on. Figure so, the schedule out. So thank you for joining me on this. Uh, like I said, Space Truckers is, is on a uh, Region B lock Blu-ray you can get from Amazon.co.uk if you're interested. It's a bit pricey for the, but you can, you know, if you really love the film and you want to grab it, it looks great. Um, otherwise, you can grab a pretty cheap DVD um 
from Amazon and, and, and find it streaming somewhere if you're if you're curious. So, Zach, uh, if you can, before we sign off, let everyone know where uh, they can find you on the Internet. Um, I got a poor network here, so I don't know if you can hear me now. I can hear you. But you can find me at Light is Fading on Twitter or at Scriptophobics on Twitter and at www.scriptophobic.ca. Awesome. All right, Zach. Well, uh, thanks again, and uh, thank all of you guys for listening. I will talk to you next next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I emit a low-amp electrical wang pulse designed to drive women wild with pleasure. Stop! You're gonna make me puke.